What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. This week, I've got an episode for all of you who want to teach more effectively. If you've ever thought of running an online course or designing a group coaching program or something where you're going to actually teach people to do something, you're definitely going to want to listen to my interview this week with Brianne Dick. Brianne is an expert in adult education and adult learning. And I invited her on the show because I've heard from lots of you that you're not really sure how to structure your information into a course. And it's more than just organizing what you know. What Brianne's going to talk about is that there's strategic, specific ways that adults learn best. And those are the types of concepts and approaches you can use in your course to help people not just get the information, but really to absorb it and make the most out of it. So I think you're really going to like this conversation with Brianne. Now, if you're listening to this episode the week that it airs, so that's before Friday, June 3rd, 2016, I want to let you know about this really awesome new program that I've created. In the recent conversations I've had with members of the Wellpreneur community, what's really come across to me is that you don't want more information. So as you know, in Marketing Bootcamp, it teaches you pretty much everything you need to know to get started with online marketing. So what you want isn't more information. You want to actually take action and apply what you're learning. And the thing I've heard most that comes up again and again is that I want accountability to really make sure that I'm taking action in my business and doing what I'm supposed to do, not getting distracted by Facebook and wasting time and signing up for more and more courses that just sit there and never actually get implemented. So if this is you and you really wish you could find an accountability group of people who really get it and who can support you and provide feedback, and most importantly, help you to take action on your specific goals in your business, then I'd like you to look at my new Wellpreneur Accelerator program. This is not an online course. There's no new content in it. It's completely an accountability community. I'm calling the Accelerator the accountability community for Wellpreneurs who want to grow a healthy business faster. So I'm running this as a beta group, and I'm right now until Friday, June 3rd, looking for founding members to help me shape this program. It's going to be based around a small private Facebook group that we'll all be a part of, where at the beginning of each month, we're going to be setting clear, concrete, measurable goals for each of us. You'll set your own goals, declare them to the group, and then every week we'll do a chunk of those, take action on them, and then hold each other accountable. So it's going to be really focused around accountability and taking action on your own projects. And also, I'm going to be in there every single week doing a live stream Q&A. So you can ask me for feedback. You can ask me your business and marketing questions. It's really the only way that you can get access to me without being a one-on-one client, which is really awesome. So I'm super excited about this group. My plan is that it will eventually roll into an ongoing membership. But right now, during this founding member period, I'm running a special where you get all three months. So you'll get June, July, and August for $97, right? Ridiculously cheap. Actually, probably too cheap. It's kind of crazy. But I really want people who 
are excited about this, who want accountability, and who also are willing to give me feedback and input so that we can shape the future of this program to turn it into something that's not just another program, but really a community that helps you get it done in your business, which is the most important thing. So if you'd like to check out the details about the Accelerator and become a founding member, that offer is only available until Friday, June 3rd, 2016. You can get that information at wellpreneuronline.com slash accelerator. I'll also link that up in the show notes. And of course, if you have any questions, you can contact us at info at wellpreneuronline.com and just ask. But if you are ready to take some action this summer and you'd like some accountability and you're willing to give me some feedback and shape the future of this program, I'd love to have you as a founding member. It'd be really awesome. So wellpreneuronline.com slash accelerator. Okay, so let's shift gears now and start thinking about how to structure our courses so that our clients learn the best and get the most out of them. And for that, I want to switch over to our interview with Brianne Dick. Hi, Brianne. Thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and geek out with you. <laughs> so I do want to geek out today. And the reason that I specifically invited you on the show is because it is such a hot topic among wellpreneurs to create their own program and, and teach online. And But I know a lot of them feel really stuck about where even to start. And that's your area of expertise, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh one of those things where I started, my first real job was in higher education and loved the learning part, didn't love the bureaucracy of working in a big company and, you know, started my own business, found out that, you know, online courses aren't just a thing that colleges and universities do. So that's something that I just love talking about in terms of, you know, how do people learn? How can we make sure that we're creating something that people will love and all of that good stuff? Yeah. And so now you work with business owners on creating their online courses? Yeah, business owners, big, small. We've had Chinese medicine practitioners that I've worked with. We've had some, you know, physical therapy type people all the way through to, you know, some are coaches of some sort or another. I think the, the strangest or most unique person I've ever worked with was actually a pilot instructor for an airline who figured that the training that airlines give is terrible and he wanted to fix it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you had quite the quite the range of experience in helping people like create these courses. So let's start with adult learning because that's something that I've heard you talk about and read on your website. And so I mean, I'm that's not my area of expertise. So I'm guessing you're meaning like how do you teach adults that might be different than how you're teaching children? So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. There's actually a really big debate in the world of education about how different adults are as compared to kids when it comes to learning. And I kind of come in the middle of the debate. Some people say that, you know, adults and kids, we all learn. We all learn the same way. There's no difference. And some people say, well, it's completely different. There's, there's in fact, a term called andragogy, which is the study of how adults learn as opposed to pedagogy, which is how children learn. And some people say, well, you have to treat them very differently. And I kind of take it in the middle, which is to say, we all learn, we're all human. At a, at a basic level, we all learn the same way. However, as adults, we have all kinds of biases and life experience, and we learn in different environments and different contexts. And all of those things mean that, yes, we learn the same way as we did as kids, but 
it's a little more complicated to figure out, you know, how how are you going to squeeze learning in when you're not in school for six or eight hours a day? How do you do that when you have a job and a family and responsibilities? How do you make learning relevant and easy given our modern day adult lives? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So maybe we just start there then. Like, how do we do that? (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's a million dollar question. Yeah, it's a huge topic, I'm sure, but yeah. It's a million dollar question because one of the things that I like to talk about is when you're in business, if you're doing any sort of training, your business's success as as a training business is going to be dependent on the 3 R's. Now, these aren't the same 3 R's as you got from school. This isn't reading, writing, and arithmetic. These are the new 3 R's. And that's can you retain your students through your program? Can you keep them interested enough to actually complete? Once they've been retained, can you get them to buy again? Can you get repeat buyers again and again? They loved it so much, they just want to keep coming back to you. And can you get them to refer? Can you get them to tell everyone about you? And so when we look at retention and repeat buyers and uh, referrals, what it comes back to at its core is who is the person that you're serving? That is at the core from the business perspective of offering a training course. And it's also at the core of creating an amazing learning experience. Because if you don't know what someone wants from you, how are you going to give it to them? How can you give them what they want so that they will stick with you through the entire program, that they will tell all their friends about it, that they will buy everything you ever have to offer. And so looking at who you're serving is the core of creating a training program that gets results, both for the client, because we want them to see amazing results, otherwise what's the point? But it's also the core of making sure that it's gonna get results for us in our business, because the reason we create courses is because usually we don't want to have to work as much. We want to be able to reach a wider audience, have a bigger impact. We want to be able to stop doing as much one-on-one work. And so when we look at that, whatever we create has to work for us and for the people that we're serving. Mm. So I guess it's really about getting the client results through your training program, because I think, you know, at the end of the day, like if they're not actually getting the transformation that they bought the program for, then they're not going to do those things. They're not going to come back. They're not going to refer you. And so I'm really curious, like, what are a few pointers we can do to make sure that our programs do deliver results? Because I have a feeling it's not just putting more information in. Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, the number one thing you need to do is put less information is a, a friend of mine has a saying, She says that if someone says to me, my course, oh, that course was so interesting. You know, I I loved your course. It was so informative. It was so interesting. My friend says, that's the curse of death, the kiss of death, rather. I know that I have failed if the best thing someone can say about my course is that it's interesting. Because as you said, what matters is what's the result that you can get for someone. And so one of the things when you're just kind of getting started on figuring out what your training program is going to be, or maybe you have one and it's not working the way you imagine it could, is to think about what I call your perfect participant. So who is the person that you are designing this program for? Who are they at the moment in time 
when they're ready to buy because people change. And that's, that's actually part of the point of a course is we want people to change. And so who are they at that moment in readiness? And you have to think about this from two different dimensions. First, you have to think about what do they think they want. And this is especially important for people who are in the wellness industry, because we all know that what people think they want and what we know they need are not always the same thing. Look at the weight loss industry where what people think they want is a body that looks good on the beach, or they want to lose those last 10 pounds, or they want to, you know, get buff, or they want to, you know, whatever it is, that's what they think they want. But what we as professionals know is that what they actually need is a lifestyle change or a mindset change, or they need to have a different relationship with food and exercise, for example. And so those are the two things you need to keep in mind, which will drive every decision you make about what you put in your course and what you leave out is what do they think they want? What I'm talking with my hands, you can't see, but you can imagine what do you think you want is on one side. What do I know they need is on the other side. And where those two things overlap is the sweet spot because that is what are the things that you as the expert know they need. And more importantly, what do they need to be able to do to get the result that they ultimately desire? So I think it's a real temptation, especially when you're putting together your first course, to just put in everything. And I think it's a little bit of insecurity in a way. Like we think we need to show how much we know and give them. (laughs) And, And actually there is a lot, like a lot of these topics are quite complex. Like there is a lot somebody could know about, you know, switching to a plant-based diet or mm-hmm. raw food. Like there, it's, it's like a thing that you could study for years, right? And so I think, I guess what you're saying is the secret is to just figure out how, what do they need to know? Like, what are the key things they need to know to get a transformation? And then just stop there. Even more than that, You've used one of my least favorite words in that sentence. One of my least favorite words is the word know, K-N-O-W. Least favorite words, because how do you know if someone knows something? How can you determine what's going on in someone's head? You can't. And in fact, knowledge doesn't create transformation. If it did, there would be no overweight doctors that smoked. Because they have all the knowledge. They know that they shouldn't be having sugary drinks every day. And they know that smoking is bad for them. They're probably incredibly well-educated on the topic. But that knowledge isn't what creates the results. Knowledge alone isn't enough to get them to stop smoking or to change their behavior. What we actually know from the research is that you need to focus on the behavior first and then the mindset will follow. So if you can focus not even so much on what are the key things that someone needs to know to achieve the transformation, but what are the key things they need to be able to do, which will then create that transformation, that will get you really focused. And in fact, there is a principle in, in, uh, it's really popular in the online world, the Pareto principle or the 80-20 rule, which actually comes from economics. And it's been shown to apply in a whole bunch of different areas. And the 80-20 rule says that 80% of the results come from 20% of the effort. And so in 
learning and in creating courses, what we want to do is figure out what's the 20% that gets results. The key here is to use that principle and turn it on its head a little bit. And I call this the 80-20 rule of curriculum, which says that someone in your course or program should spend 80% of their time acting on whatever it is they're supposed to be doing. So practicing or being actively involved, making choices, doing decisions, going out and doing the work, applying what they've learned. 80% of the time is application. And only 20% of the time should be them passively consuming information from us because we can give all the information in the world. And when we come from a perspective of information, we end up giving people the experience of trying to drink from a fire hose. They don't need necessarily more information. They need to know the actions to take and they need support in taking those actions so that they can see the results. And that's actually what's going to give them the confidence and the motivation to stick with you is when they see, oh, I can do this thing that I couldn't do before. That's incredibly motivating. It gives an incredible boost to confidence. And that's what gets them really, really engaged and on board. So I'm curious. So as we're trying to get them, we're focusing on getting them to take action rather than just giving them information. Do you recommend structuring courses so that like there's little wins throughout the whole course then rather than just saving it till the end? Absolutely. Yeah. The the faster you can get people to take action, the better. There's a study that was done. It comes out of Stanford University and it was for first year neuroscience students. Neuroscience is kind of like the weeding out course for most med programs. If you can't do neuroscience, you're not going to make it as a physician. But the brain is a complicated thing, so much so that we don't actually know how the brain works fully. So anyways, this study, they were trying to figure out how they could make it more effective for first-year med students to learn how the brain works. And they came up with a a simulation of the brain. They called it the table. And on this table, you could go in and kind of poke at various parts of it, and there would be a display that would light up, simulating, you know, if you poke at certain regions of the brain, what does that stimulus represent? And so they took the students and they put them in two groups. One group went and just went straight to the table. They had no instruction about how the brain works, no book learning or lecture, anything like that. They just went and they went and they were played at the table and true scientific method. They came up with their hypothesis. They go, went and poked around, experimented, used the simulation and saw what the results were. The other group of students, the other half of the class, went and had a traditional lecture, traditional video, traditional textbook about you know, explaining how the brain works. Then they did a post-assessment. They checked how much did the students learn. What they found is that the students who did the experiment had a much greater depth and breadth of knowledge and understanding about how the brain works than the people who did the book learning. But it gets better because then they decided, the researchers said, well, what happens if we now switch the groups? So the people who started with the experiment are going to go do the book learning. And the people who started with the book learning are going to go do the experiment. And so they set the students off and, you know, they went and did their respective tasks and they came back and they did another assessment, another evaluation. What was so interesting here is that the students who did the experiment first and then reinforced their findings with the book learning still came out on top. And the students actually felt uncomfortable with this. 
the ones who did the experiment first, there was a, a quote in the study and the fellow basically said, I wish I'd been able to learn about this. I feel like I would have got a lot more out of the experiment if I had had some background knowledge coming in. But what studies showed is that that's not the case. We're actually better off to just dive in and do stuff first and then have it reinforced with information rather than the other way around, which is how so many entrepreneurs are trying to approach creating their courses. Ooh, this is great. Okay. I never <laughs> heard that. I'd never heard that before. I'd had the idea that, you know, you want to have different exercises and challenge people to take action throughout the course, but I'd never thought about, you know, maybe you can tell them how to do something and have them try to do it first and then explain it after, teach more about it afterwards. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So an example here, it's from a a business coach, Tara Gentili. She and I worked together on one of her programs and she was trying to teach people how to do marketing and, and how to specifically lead up to a product launch. And so, you know, she had a certain sequence of emails that she wanted her students to learn about. And what Tara and I came up with was I said, well, what ha- would happen if you just came up with the subject lines? So for these imaginary four emails, what would the subject lines for each of them be? And don't tell them what order they go in. Instead, ask the students what order they think they go in. And then you can tell them if they're right or wrong. And so she did that. And it was really powerful and effective because what happened is the students actually got it right. They actually intuitively knew and understood and and had a sense of what order to put these things in. And so they went and they experimented with it. And afterwards, Tara was able to show them how and why their intuition was correct. She was able to give them an explanation and a context for what they already knew. And this is one of the key things going back to what we were talking about with adults as opposed to kids is as adults. We have so much background knowledge. We know so much. We have so much rattling arounds in our brains that sometimes we psych ourselves out and we think that we don't know as much as we actually do. And so when we kind of do a pattern interrupt and we say, I'm not going to explain this first. I just want you to experiment it. What that allows the learner to do is to experience on their own and for themselves that, yeah, they can trust themselves. That builds that confidence. It builds that motivation. And when it's then reinforced with, and here's why it worked, we're actually building higher level thinking skills. So we're not just teaching people, here's a formula, how to follow it. We're saying, you actually know how the formula works. You already have an appreciation for that. Now we're going to go deeper and I'm going to help you really get at the core and the root of why it works so that you can transfer that knowledge to other situation and apply it in other contexts. That is so cool because I think, especially in health and wellness, like we don't want to be, we want to empower our clients to be able to go out and start to make decisions for themselves. And so I totally get what you're saying that if you're just lecturing all the time, then you become like the guru that they have to keep coming back to. But by switching it around, like you said, you're giving them the confidence to trust their own judgment, which is huge. And also consider when you've been working with people live and in person, whether that's one-on-one or you know, you've been doing, maybe you have a studio, you're teaching yoga and, and you have a studio of people, you're still able to personalize the experience to a pretty significant degree. And so what a lot of people come to me, they say is, 
what do I do? How do I personalize in this online setting where I'm not going to be having the ability to you know, be adapting and adjusting and changing on the fly? And the key is to instruct less because what matters is the student's experience as they go through the program or through the course. And if you can help them to basically create their own experience and you're just going to provide the context and the framework around it, that's where you get that personalized experience without having you know, to be doing a lot of hands-on coaching or hands-on one-on-one time with people. The more you can empower people to be able to make progress and to evaluate their own progress, the better it's going to be for them and for you. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that, like specifically how you get engagement from people and encourage them to take action. So for example, if we had those subject lines, that example you gave earlier, Mm -hmm. and then said, okay, put them in your own order. I could see that that could really work like on a group coaching call or something where then you could, you know, hear what their answers were and then discuss with them and tell them what the right answer was. But can that work in an evergreen program? Like, I'm curious how we can have deliver that kind of experience if, if it is an evergreen program and we're not involved at all. Yeah, it's a really great question. That's a, a what I would consider a curriculum design question because what you have to do is be intentional about how you're designing the, the curriculum, the experience, such that you're able to bake that engagement in. I'm, I'm reminded of a client of mine who had been trying to create a program. This was before she came to me. She had created this program and she found that she just had to continually be involved hands-on. And it wasn't that kind of freeing experience that she was looking for and hoping for. And you know, we worked together and we revamped her course. And what she ended up with was literally a five-minute even in some cases, a two-minute instruction. That was the entire content for the entire lesson was a two or five-minute clip of instruction and then a 30-minute activity. And she, there's no way for you to waste time just feeling... A lot of times what happens is we give someone a 20-minute audio and they listen to it and they feel like they've accomplished something. Like, yeah, I really get it. But really, they haven't done anything. All they've done is listen to an audio. And so what you have to do is kind of turn the tables and say, I'm just not going to give you a whole lot of content. So if you want to get something out of this, you're going to have to actually go do the work. And you set that as the expectation from the outset. Now, there's a couple of things to keep in mind with that. The first thing to keep in mind is that not everyone will do the work. There's um, been some research that suggests that about 10% of participants in an online course are going to be the hyperactive ones, the ones that do everything you ask. They do every exercise to the nth degree. They listen to every audio, so on and so forth. Only about 10%. Then about 70% are what are called passive participants. And they're the ones that will kind of dip in, dip out, do the stuff that seems relevant. They won't necessarily do everything you ask, but they'll do a significant portion of it. And then the remaining 20% are the lurkers. And those are the ones who just kind of check it out because they're curious or they buy because they think it sounds like a good idea, but they never actually make the commitment to follow through. And so 20% of people aren't really going to do much at all. And so we have to contextualize what engagement looks like so that we don't get ourselves in a situation where we're feeling bad for you know, not creating a fully engaging experience, that's just not possible because people come to us with different expectations and different backgrounds. The second thing 
to keep in mind with this whole question of, you know, creating engagement is the question of student satisfaction. Now, we talked earlier about results. Results are the ultimate arbiter of whether or not your program is successful. But satisfaction is an indicator of how happy your clients are and how likely they are to want to continue in the program to get those results. And it's kind of like a predictor. Results are looking backwards at how good it was. Satisfaction is a predictor of how successful the students will be able to be. And what we know is that when it comes to satisfaction, there's three factors that are most important in online courses. The most important factor, number one on the list, is, is your course any good? It's the relationship between the student and the content. Is that a strong relationship? The second most important relationship, though, is the relationship between the student and the instructor. And that doesn't mean that you need to have coaching calls. It doesn't mean you can't do evergreen programs and that sort of thing. But there needs to be a perception on the part of the student that if they get stuck, if they need support, there is an avenue through which they can receive support and guidance. And if your program doesn't have that, your students aren't going to be satisfied. And the third biggest predictor of student satisfaction is how good are they with technology? This is something we often don't think about. And I think it's really important if you're coming from a wellness industry where, you know, your clients may be really tech savvy. They might be, you know, the, the Facebook moms who are, you know, always sharing pictures of their kids and they totally get it. Or they might be, maybe you specialize in, you know, the 50 plus crowd, the 60 plus crowd who are less technically inclined. Depending on your audience and their level of tech savvy, they may be less satisfied with your course simply because they're less familiar with the technology. And so these are all factors that we have to weigh and balance and consider when we're trying to figure out what's the delivery mechanism. Am I going to evergreen it? Am I going to include coaching calls? It's as much about who your participant is and what the relationship is as anything else. Mm, thank you. So the the support piece you were talking about in the middle, something that I see quite a lot with online courses is including a Facebook group. Yep. So is that the kind of thing you're talking about? So that maybe it's not one-on-one support, but they know they can go in there and, and interact and get their questions answered. Yeah. Facebook groups are kind of the de facto way of providing that support. The critical piece there is that you or an assistant or someone, someone representing your brand has to be willing to go into that group. Too many courses I've seen, especially the ones that get really big, you know, thousands of participants, there's no actual presence from the the organization that's creating the training. There's no support there at all. It's just a place for the students to kind of support each other. And what's interesting about that study with those three satisfaction factors is that the relationship between students actually was not a predictor of satisfaction. So if you're going to have a community, if you're going to have a Facebook type uh, group, then what's important about that is that you make sure that you're willing to be active in that environment or else you might as well not have it. Mm. Are there some other ways that we could have that type of support and engagement other than a Facebook group? Yeah. So, you know, Facebook groups are great because it's, uh, it's, public to those in the course and you can get everyone talking at the same time and and you know you don't have to ask a question a million times for 
you don't have to answer a question a million times when it's been asked a million times. You can also provide support. You know, group coaching calls are great. And you don't have to, you can do group coaching calls with a really large group. That doesn't mean you have to do one-on-one coaching for everyone. You just have to provide a forum for people to ask questions. I've seen people also do um, like an office hours type thing where they say, I'll be on this particular chat platform between this time and this time each week. Come and ask your questions and I'll get to as many as I can. Honestly, one of the the simplest things, if, if it's a small group and if you have the capacity to do it, is to make sure that people have an email address that, especially in wellness, where people sometimes feel shame or they don't necessarily want to uh, quote unquote, air their dirty laundry in front of a group, uh, having an opportunity for people to just say, you know, hit reply on this email if, if you need questions. Of course, you have to put boundaries on that for yourself. You know, we all want to serve our clients to the highest and greatest good that we can. So you have to be careful with that. But if it's a small group and if you have the capacity to do it, just making sure that people know that they can approach you with questions and making that avenue available is really great. One thing that came out of that that satisfaction study was it doesn't matter if the students actually use the ability to contact the instructor. That's not what predicts satisfaction. It's the fact that it's there and they know it's there so that if they decide they need it, they could use it. That's what makes them feel satisfied. And that also relates to those percentages. Really, not all of your students are going to want to take advantage of that anyway. And that's okay. So there's lots of different ways. The biggest, and it's also good for you, right? How do you know if your program's working? The only way is to be able to see what people's progress is as they go. So if you're not engaging with people, if you're not giving them a chance to ask questions or to express their victories or their challenges, if you're not giving them a chance to kind of show or demonstrate their experience of going through your course, you have no idea if it's actually working or not. And so how are you supposed to make improvements or, you know, sell it better the next time if you don't have your finger on the pulse of what's going on with your participants? Oh, Brianne, this has been so useful. I'm just like, I want to go back and listen and take loads of notes, actually. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure everybody else listening will be doing the same. We're kind of starting to run out of time, but I really wanted to just get like your top tips for somebody that's listening that really wants to stay there. So we've got a lot of coaches in the audience. So say mm-hmm. somebody's a coach and they really want to create a program, their first program to move beyond one-on-one coaching. So could you just share some tips on how they can get started doing that? Absolutely. So what a lot of people ask me is, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what idea to focus on. And so the place to start is to ask yourself, what is the number one question or challenge that my clients come to me wanting to solve? Like, what are the things that you find that you are working with clients on over and over and over and over and over and over again? What is that thing that... Like maybe you're almost even sick of talking about it because you have to talk about it so much. That's where you want to start developing your program. If you don't have something like that, you actually probably want to do more of that one-on-one work so you can find out what that burning pain is because you need to know what that burning pain question is. Once you have that, then I want you to think about exactly that question that we talked about earlier, which is what do they think they want. So in their words, when you hear a client asking you that question, how do they phrase it? What is their ultimate goal? What are they hoping to achieve? What does success look like to them in their own words? Figure out what they think they need and what they think they want. 
from you. Then go and look and put on your expert hat and ask yourself, what are the five, maybe seven things that I know that if they would just do these five or seven things, everything would change and they would be able to achieve those results. So focus intently on what does that person think they want and what are the five to seven things that I know that if they just did these things, they would be able to achieve those results. Then with those questions, those those three questions answered, which is what is the most common question? What do they think they want? And what do I know they need? Then you can design a curriculum that is purely focused on what is the best way for me to get people doing those five to seven things that I know they need to do. You do that and you focus that one last quick study, one really quick study. There is a study that says that if you approach your curriculum development by asking the question, what do my learners want to get out of it? What do they want to achieve? Instead of asking, what do I want to teach them? Your students will get better results just by asking, what do they want to get out of it? As opposed to what do I want to teach? That question alone is enough to subconsciously change your mindset to the point that your students will get better results. That is great. Thank you so much for being with us. Can you let us know where people can find you if they want to work with you or learn more about what you do? Absolutely. So best place to go to find me online is to go to mynameisbrianne.com, B-R-E-A-N-N-E, mynameisbrianne.com. And if you feel like you want to be developing a program, if this is something that maybe you've tried, maybe you just think it sounds like a great idea and you're really interested in getting started off on the right foot, if you go to mynameisbrianne.com slash PPG, just the letters PPG, you'll get to a page where you can grab a copy of my perfect participant guide, which is a 30-minute fill-in-the-blanks workbook that is designed to help you answer that such important question of what do they think they want and what do you know they need? You can do it in 30 minutes. It's a free download at mynameisbrianne.com slash PPG. Awesome. And I'll link all of that up in the show notes so it's really easy for people to get to. So thank you so much, Brianne, for being here. Well, thank you for letting me geek out with you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all the links of everything we talk about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget, if you're listening to this before June 3rd, 2016, I'm running a special for founding members for my new Accelerator Accountability Community. If you'd like to join that or just find out more about how it's going to work, you can get that at wellpreneuronline.com slash accelerator. Okay, have a fantastic week and I will see you back here next week with the next episode.